I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of The Lincoln Riley Show is brought to you by 12-Pack Radio and Extiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, the best business phone service that shows about U.S. news and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 country stay connected with customers and coworkers because, frankly, this is not a truck stop conference, and they have an easy-to-use app on the West Coast. Get Nextiva for your business. Get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for a fraction of what you'd pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12-pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12-pack to get started. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader and College Football Statistical Model. And this is a Sharp College football podcast where Lincoln Riley's here, Lincoln Riley's here, bow, 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 big, big moves going on in the conference. We have another hire at Washington. We have coordinators. We have the championship game. And we have a post-mortem for Colorado. So don't don't worry, Colorado fans. We, we have things to talk about on your end, too. And I'm here to join you as always, or here to join you as always, is Mr. Rob Bowen from Sharp College Football, where Baderank continues to just roll on those double-digit spreads, uh, Rob, and and I'm here for all of them. Yeah, I mean, it's I I am so excited for the conference, um, and I mean we've got a pretty good conference championship game to preview. There's and there are no more, uh, at least until somebody steals a coach. <laughs> <laughs> like there are no more openings of the Pac-12. Like Dickert got the uh, the Wazoo job too. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. It's crazy that um, that happened basically right after the Apple Cup, and uh, and well deserved. But let let's start first and foremost with the Lincoln Riley news. That's what we have to start with. Um, I th- there were there were a couple of rumblings, and you never know on Twitter, right? Because you hear the you get these reports that people retweet, and you find out that it's like. You know, you look on the profile of the person tweeting it, and he has like six followers, and you know his name is like Sugar Daddy Four Twenty or something. But yeah. but when <laughs> Stu Mandel came out and was talking about USC targeting um, Lincoln Riley, I thought, oh, okay, okay, well, let's see what happens. And then it actually reminded me because Bud Elliott has this theory that when Stu Mandel says, or oh no, it's Dan Rubenstein was talking about when Stu Mandel says. Um, uh, what does he say? Don't be surprised if he, he was kind of joking that that might be the, this is absolutely going to happen. Like his code word for that. And so it was so funny because I had heard uh, an, uh, an interview with him and the solid verbal and Dan had talked about like, Hey, keep a lookout for that. Don't be surprised with boom. All of a sudden that drops and I'm like, Oh snap, is this actually going to happen? And then like two hours later, it's done signed and delivered. And Lincoln Riley was on a plane 
yesterday and and introduced today, Rob. I mean, really quick, and what a huge move for the conference. Yeah, yeah, I I I didn't take any of it seriously until I saw Bruce Feldman <laughs> tweeted out, and I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> and um, yeah. I mean, this for USC, we have talked you know, and, and, and conversations, I think with other people I've talked to around the PAC 12 was, you know, would they, you know, you know, USC could figure it out. USC could figure it out, but they had, you know, it was like a comedy of errors, like so many mistakes. And then they finally did. Right. I mean, they finally really made, I mean, one of the biggest moves in college football, um, at least in, 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 you know, my recent memory going and getting Lincoln Riley and bringing him out to LA, um, just uh, I mean, a huge bolt of energy for the Trojans and, and, and for the conference. Um, you know, cause you were, you're sitting there and, and thinking about, you know, like the, the questions of like, who is USC going to get, who's actually going to provide some excitement and not only, and I think this is important, not only win the press conference, but actually <clears throat> likely produce good results on the football field. Uh, and Riley, I, I, you'd be crazy not to think that he does that. I mean, he's he certainly is going to have to, and Alex Grinch is going to have his work cut out for him in fixing the defense. But you know, Riley's offensive bona fides are there. I mean, he's he's got an excellent track record there. Great recruiter, been you know certainly has pulled plenty of guys off the West Coast in the last couple of years. Um, just a huge shot in the arm that I, I I think not just for USC, but I think for the the standing and stature of the conference as a whole. And we'll see. What happens with Alex Grinch? We loved him at Washington State as the defensive. Oh no! In the press conference, he's he's coming. Oh, I know that. I, I'm more. Oh. I want to see it. I want to see the uh, what he can do with this USC yeah. defense. I, no, that's I, true. Yeah, I think on paper it's. I mean, Bill Bedenbaum was actually the one I was super excited about. I'm like he's coming. He's coming. They'll have an offensive yeah, line really again. Good. Yeah, it was real. Like and so needed at USC. That's been one of their biggest problems for like the last four years has been their offensive line. So he brings some really good talent with him. I'm curious to see what Grinch can. do do because this USC defense was awful and they do have the talent, but are they soft? Is it scheme? Is it both? Um, I'm, I'm Hey, I think this is huge for, for the conference. It makes USC such a potential juggernaut. I mean, the recruiting's there. It seems like if Lincoln Riley was going to take this job, it's likely because USC is committed to winning at football and just spending that money to get the right people out. And clearly we saw that with like the first four hires that he's made that are going with him. The, the one thing where I really do want to see what, what USC can be next year is on defense because man, it was a mess this year. And Grinch's defense is, I mean, well, you know better than I do on the advanced metrics, but Clearly, like you said, the the offensive side should be excellent. The defensive side, I don't quite know yet. What, what did you think about Alex Grinch coming and what he's done at, at uh, Norman? I would mean, so like you have to couch it with they've certainly had some injuries this season, particularly in the secondary for Oklahoma. But the defense still isn't there. I mean, they're at forty eight overall in beta rank. Um, they're at 63 and effective pass. I mean, they were better last year. You know, I mean, of course, like always take the COVID year stuff with a little bit of a grain of salt, but that said, like, I mean, we get like the big 12 
still managed to play a bunch of games. Um, and they had a pretty good defense last season. I think they, I think he's look, I mean, we certainly know Alex Grinch um, from his time at Wazoo. He did a terrific job up there getting them into the point where they were actually a pretty good power five defense. That's, I mean, despite the fact that Jake Dickert has done it, that's hard to do. Like Wazoo is hard to recruit athletes to, um, to where you can kind of, you know, get the guys that you can really run a good scheme with. Um, they really develop players. I, I think Grinch is going to find, you know, eventually the players that he needs there, but I mean, there's no, there's, there's no getting around it. I mean, this USC defense is in triple digits. I mean, they are, you know, in, in, in 2021, they're at all the way down at one Oh six and beta rank. Um, you know, I mean, they're at one, t- I mean, and, and really like, I mean, just a stunning, I mean, look, I like Dante Williams as a recruiter a lot, but they're at 122 in effective pass, not great rushing the passer, not gate great in coverage. I mean, this team just look, I, I, I think they're going to get better with good coaching, but uh, I don't think this is a one-year turnaround on the defensive side of the ball. I think this is maybe a two-year hole to dig out of. So let's talk about the impact that this is going to have in general. I think, first of all, it's hysterical that the Pac-12 did what the Big Ten did to the Pac-12 last year or two years ago when, when Michigan State was in trouble with a coaching search and they're like, a uh, bag of money to Mel Tucker, your problem, Colorado. Like We did the same thing to Oklahoma right. where it's like USC was looking around, needed a coach, realized that this was going to be a real tough year to bring in a coach because there's so many programs looking for good people. And it's like, bag of money, come to the Pac-12. I think it's such a good move for Lincoln Riley just because, uh, A, he'd been recruiting here for a while anyway. So he has all those Southern California connections. Um, B, if USC is actually committed to winning, he has been able to show like that he's able to run a program like that. So I, I thought it was different from when Florida hired Billy Napier, where, where maybe Napier can do Oof. it in a power five conference, but that's a big freaking job for somebody that's been coaching for four years at a group of five, right? In the Sun Belt. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you probably, I mean, I watch a lot of Sun Belt football, you know, on the weeknights, like if it's on, like, I mean, that <clears throat> Billy Napier has been doing it at a pretty low level. That's a real big jump. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I think looking at, and I was, I really like Billy Napier. I didn't think I, I, I still, I, I gotta be honest. Like, I, I think that Florida job is, was a, like, that's a gamble. I, I, I think Billy Napier would have fit better at a mid-level power five job. Totally agree. And that, that's why I'm just so blown away by USD because big boy programs yeah. make big boy hires and they just went out and just swung for the fences and hit it. Now, look, he, he, I mean, there could be a number of reasons where this is a disaster, but there are looking now, um, way more than way more things on one side of the scale than on the bad side of the scale. And I'm just curious the impact that this has on the conference, because first perception, right? If USC is excellent, then it's just great to have a team. That's another team that can actually challenge for the college football playoff. But one of the things, Rob, that I was curious about, because I had tweeted out and I'm always fine. You know, I'm always happy to say if I'm wrong or not. Um, I tweeted out that I thought that the biggest program impacted 
by Riley coming to USC is actually Oregon uh, for two reasons. The first is now um, I think it puts Mario Cristobal on the table as a coach that other programs are going to try to hire away. So it means that they're going to have to fend that off if they want to keep them. Um, and I think I think they will, but it does put it on the table. The second thing is I just think that Man, how many programs in the Pac-12, including Oregon, have just taken advantage of USC being asleep at the wheel for ten years? I mean, go down, uh, go down to Southern California or even Northern California, steal USC's lunch money, come back up to Eugene or Tucson or Air, like or like Arizona. Say, oh, Arizona isn't stealing a lot of, a lot of commits from um, <laughs> from USC. Yeah. But think of all the national programs, and then Oregon and even Washington trying to go down there and take players. Now that USC's back. I'm assuming they're going to have first pick of of the best players in California for the most part. That at some point has to impact even Oregon, right? I mean, like because I got some pushback from our friend Hithleday and his opinion. I really, really, um, I, I I put a lot of weight into um, our our guy QB11, who also kind of pushed back on that. So when you get pushback from both of those guys, I always think, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong here. Um, I know that Oregon doesn't recruit fully from California and they recruit nationally. Um, I just wanted to float that by you because I was surprised at how um, I was surprised at the, at the pushback and and polite pushback. I think there's only one person who was like a jerk about it. So I figured it'd be fun to flush out on the show um, because I, I took a different look at it from a different angle. Once I I heard back from people kind of want to hear what you thought. So I, th- I mean, I do think, I mean, you're, you'd be crazy to say like, there's no impact. Like that's clearly not right. Right. <laughs> like USC actually getting it together and having, you know, somebody from the head coach on down that is competent and is pushing the staff in the right direction and is c- really committed to recruiting. Uh, yeah, th- you know, that's going to have an impact. I mean, Oregon and USC are going to go head to head on some guys, right? And Oregon's going to come away on the short end of the stick on some of those. Like, and literally anyone that's saying, oh, that's not going to happen with linemen or something like that or is, is wrong, right? Like that's <laughs> like, I mean, if you're expecting USC to land zero top offensive and defensive linemen, you know, from the pac 12, when they go head to head against Oregon in the pac 12 footprint, like that's crazy. Like the Trojans are going to win some, um, you know, Corey Foreman ended up at USC. Well, that, so that I think, yeah, well that, that and nationally, right? Like I think, right. I think they can go down into Texas and into the South and start trying to pluck those folks off also. So it's, it's not just you're not just fighting for recruits in California, you're fighting for them nationally with another yeah. program with unlimited resources. But I mean, I also think that like the biggest I mean, because and I want to say this too, like here's the thing. Nobody really took advantage in the pack. Nobody in the Pac twelve really took advantage of USC basically taking a decade off. Well, I mean, like I mean, look, Oregon to some extent, right? Like they, they've, I mean, come on. Okay. Yes. Like I, I will give you the chip Kelly stuff. Mario Cristobal's never made the playoff. And frankly, if he did, he'd get his butt handed to him. Mm. Like, I mean, he's just not, I mean, like Oregon's not there. They're not like, and I'm not like, I, that's the other thing. Like, I mean, like I, I am <laughs> the PAC 12 would do well to have a real measuring stick in place. Cause like Oregon's not all that intimidating to Lincoln Riley. <laughs> like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying Mario Cristobal has built nothing or anything like that. He's recruited really well, but on the actual football field, he's not there. 
you know, like he goes out and loses. He went out and lost a non-conference game to Auburn, a pretty mid, a middling Auburn team, you know, like his, his team, like if, if, and if Cristobal drew and, and this year is a little weird in college football, because if you look at the top, George is about the only team that you would talk about being in maybe like the 2019, 2020 levels of the, the, you know, the teams reached in even 2018, but Oregon's never been anywhere near those teams. Right. You know, I mean like they got Ohio state this year when Kerry Combs is still the defensive coordinator, like Tulsa might've even had a better offensive games than the game that the ducks did against the Buckeyes. That's the one that got Kerry Combs played calling duties taken away. I just, I, I want like Oregon still has to prove it to me. You know, so I don't think like, I don't think anyone should be sitting out there saying like Mario Cristobal has built some death star in Eugene. Mario Cristobal has got to go find a new offensive coordinator and he's got a defense that frankly hasn't played that well this year. Yeah. That so, that was the disappointing part too, right? Yeah, I mean, thought, yeah. Okay. yeah. But like, I think the other part though, is this is like mostly the recruiting what's really hurt, you know, who's come in and stolen the PAC 12's lunch money while USC slept is all the other national powers. Washington and Oregon didn't really take advantage of it. Yeah. You know, ASU didn't take advantage of it. UCLA sure as hell didn't. I would say, well, I I would push back with ASU in the last couple of years, but it's been all at like wide receiver, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, they did some decent recruiting, but like not great, you know, like still, if you look at like the guys that like Texas A&M and Texas and Alabama, I mean, we're we're going in and pulling out off the West Coast, like ASU is going in and getting a couple four stars, like Oklahoma and Alabama are going in and getting five stars, you know, and that's where I think that like the main difference is, is like if USC can help put more of a fence around it and it, it, that kind of excitement, I think, and having the Trojans good, I think is good for the whole conference. Look, it's going to be harder to win conference titles. If USC is good, that's a hundred percent true. But I think that the actual level of play on the football field, which to be frank for the lot of the PAC 12 has not been really good for a while. Like actually, you know, who's kind of taken advantage of it a little bit is Utah and it hasn't been through recruiting at all. It's been purely through development. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, I think that the rest of the conference has a chance to have a little flash and if you will sizzle or something like that, where you can say, Hey, look, you get to play against USC in this conference. You get to play against you know, like really, really good competition that's going to go out and, you know, play in the playoff. You have a shot then, you know, like, like the pack 12, the pack 10 back when Pete Carroll was rolling at USC was really deep. Like, and there were some really good teams that went six and six. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's what, I mean, like, and that's what I would like to see. I mean, my hope is for the rest of the pack 12 is like, yeah, it might get harder right to reach the top that window that you got to squeeze through but i want to have i don't want any more paper tigers i don't want any more teams where it's like oh man like if they could sneak into the playoff and like you're looking at it and you're thinking like vegas is going to have them as like a three touchdown underdog if he's going to the playoff i don't want to watch that i want i want the pac-12 to like and that's what this move really was is somebody actually went and put down a marker and said we're going for it you know and look i think oregon is there i think 
Mario Cristobal, if you look at the list he put together last time he went and interviewed offensive coordinators, it was a really good list, really thoughtful, really smart hiring. I think he's got a shot when he replaces Joe Moorhead to make another hire like that. But they got to put it all together on the field because they haven't yet, you know. And that's where it's like I, I got to see – Oregon get there. Like they've definitely put the players together. They never, I think top to bottom, I think Oregon's got a better roster than USC right now. Um, and, and Riley certainly has his work cut out for him there. Uh, but I haven't seen Cristobal actually, you know, like connect, connect with the ball with the bat yet, you know, like on the actual playing field. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what happens with a new quarterback. Obviously, Anthony Brown has been, and, and to be fair to Cristobal, right? You're two quarterbacks so far. Or Anthony Brown and um and the, Tyler the, Shuck. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 thank you, Ty, Tyler Shuck. Not not the best ways to move the football, and it can be. Yeah, Justin Herbert and like how good has Justin uh, Herbert yeah. been in the pros, yeah, and how bad did he look at Oregon? Yeah, yeah, I and mean, it's it is amazing what he's been doing in San Diego in the pros. I'm like, hey, I don't remember that guy. <laughs> no, who's this guy? Like, this wasn't on tape. Well, like you mentioned uh, too, uh, so Joe Moorhead likely did it get announced that he's at Akron? I know he was up for the job at Akron. I think it's it's pretty much he's out the door and headed to Akron. Okay, so he's gone. Um, I, the one the one big thing. So Cristobal's done two things really well. I think is he he has recruited well, and I do think to your point he has, you know, maybe maybe the 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 hires haven't like exactly hit exactly the way that you wanted it to but he at least tries right there, there's yeah. none of oh, this yeah. oh like we're gonna we're gonna recruit for we're gonna bring somebody from within or oh i'm gonna hire my buddy from this place like he goes out and tries to find the right person so i'm i'm excited to see who they get on the offensive side there but yeah i i still i still think this impacts oregon i you know when when usc can pluck the, the their top top people first I mean, that can't not impact Oregon. I mean, I, I think Oregon's committed enough and Cristobal's good enough to it that, like, I wouldn't sweat it too much, yeah, right? Like, you know, like, I don't think, like, Oregon's going to, like, all of a sudden, like, not be pulling in guys and things like that. They absolutely will, you know, but I mean, it's the. You know, it's like when Dante Williams went to USC and all of a sudden USC's bag men are engaged, you know, and all of a sudden USC could recruit again. Yeah, that was <laughs> <You know>? awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like having a head coach that is that engaged. And the other part, too, is like, you know, Joe Moorhead's put together an offense, you know, and, and with the Anthony Brown limitations, they snuck into the top 10 in beta rank as they've kind of rounded into form you know, like Lincoln Riley is responsible for some of the top end offenses in college football in the last four or five years, you know, things that blow, I mean, offenses that put up some really, really big numbers. No PAC 12 team has put up those kind of numbers. Uh, if he's able to do that, I mean, Oregon's good. Like, that's what I mean. Like I'm excited. Cause like for the first time you're not sitting around saying like, Oh man, like, <laughs> What, what, like, what if we got to, what if we maybe got to see in the pack 12, like, you know, that kind of a matchup, like Riley has the potential to build something like that at USC. I mean, it is TBD. I mean, I, I fully believe he gets the offense going. It's a little TBD on, you know, the defense and Alex Grinch, but, but look at the, look at the competition he has. You have, you have Chip Kelly who like recruits every other day. You had yeah. like, hasn't fired his defensive coordinator. You have, ASU, who no, has no threat, 
no threat at all from UCLA in recruiting. No, none. no, none, zero. Um, and that's the thing. Like, what is interesting though is like I like this will like the person most negatively affected by this in the Pac-12 is Chip Kelly. Like, I still think there's a shot that the Bruins actually get better from this, but he might not win another game against yeah. the Trojans. And eventually that will get you fired. I guess, I guess it's not fair to say there's no impact. Like, I mean, UCLA under, under uh, Jim Mora was able to pull in well. some decent, you know, but he has to try, right? Like they, they clearly have not shown an interest in really doing what they need to do to get those big time recruits. You know, if you go down the list, Utah Whittingham's getting up there. There was some rumors of him thinking about retiring. I, who knows? Like, I hope he yeah. doesn't. I hope he stays with the program. You have Carl Durrell, whose who's offense just went into a ditch. We'll talk more about that with our post-mortem. Right. Um, ASU has five commits. And then um, I'm just looking right now. Uh, Diamante Trainum, uh, is he just left. He had almost 700 yards and 10 touchdowns on the ground for them. He's And White's going to the NFL. It's just... Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit rough there at ASU. And I got to be honest. I don't think Jaden Daniels is your starting quarterback next year. And I don't think he's going to the NFL. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I totally, I'm a hundred percent there with you on that. Um, and then you have Jed fish, like what? Oh no. I mean, the road's open in the South, right? I mean, Utah is your only real threat, um, in the South. That's really it. You know, like ASU, you know, Look, I mean, look, it may not hit next year and Herm has basically been talking up the transfer portal somewhat too much. I think saying it's like free agency. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, it's like, let's be honest. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of, this isn't like real free agency where there's a guy, like there's an all pro guy coming off a contract year. (laughs) It's available, right? Like a lot of these guys aren't starters in other places. Right. Um, and I mean, the like, I mean, I, I still believe, and I, I don't think I'm wrong on this. ASU is going to face some consequences for what happened. Um, but also, I mean, like for the long run, basically totally giving up on a high school recruiting class has consequences. It's, it's, um, it's crazy. I'm, I'm just fascinated to see what happens in Tempe. But yeah, the the road's open. Uh, all right, we we've talked a lot about this. I mean, just a big moment. By the we way, we got to cover Kalen DeBoer. Well, like, we're totally giving him short shrift, well, and like the Washington fans are going to be so upset. Oh, for real, just breaking news. Um, USC went so balls of the wall that they forced LSU to hire Brian Kelly. That is that is no. That's what, like I was reading that as we were coming into this, and I'm like, oh, I just I'm in awe. Like I would have, and I mean to be honest, guys, like USC got the much better hire. Like much better. (laughs) Well, let's talk, let's talk Washington and Kalen DeBoer. So for a lot of, this is what worries me. When I saw the news, I kind of went, Oh, okay. Um, If he was to be the coach at Arizona or Colorado, um, maybe Washington state. I'm like, all right, let's freaking do this. But it just didn't strike me as, like it doesn't feel like a good fit for Washington. I, I I don't think Washington is a sleeping giant, but it is a program that has some history. I think there's some talent in Seattle. They they have been able to recruit um, California, and I think I, I think they have a decent amount of support financially. This just felt like 
I don't know. It just felt like the the third best option. Now I do know there it has been reported they went after Matt Campbell and he said no. Yeah. So I'm sure they went after a couple people, but not a great sign. When I mean, look, DeBoer could be awesome. He was great at Fresno, <laughs> like, right? I mean, it's just right. more. He's been doing this for like a year and a half, basically, and that that worries me a little bit. But I don't know. What, what did you think about the the? Well, news it's just interesting because, like, I mean, Washington ranks up there on overall athletic department budgets, right? Like, there, I mean, Penn State, Michigan State are up there too. Two teams that just gave their coaches, you know, the nearly hundred million dollar extensions, but. <clears throat> If you look at the numbers that were reported out, and this was by a Seattle Times reporter, I believe, on what he had on the details of what they were negotiating with Matt Campbell, it was only around $7 million a year. And you may be thinking, like, wow, that's big money. But, like, like Mel Tucker just got, you know, yeah. Mel Tucker is getting nearly ten. I mean, Mel Tucker, right, like getting nearly $10 million a year um, for – a whole lot of potential. Um, you know, James Franklin's in that range. Lincoln Riley's probably around 12. I mean, I don't think the details are really out there, um, you know, on that Lincoln Riley deal. And then, you know, like they came in with Campbell and it was around, I mean, he, he's only making 4 million a year with Iowa state, but I mean, I think for like, if you're Washington, like there's not, there's not anyone, and this is what made the like coming up with a good candidate list for Washington so hard. There just wasn't anybody that was really obvious on the western side of the country, right? Like there's nobody, like say at the Mountain West level, like last time when they went and got Chris Peterson that was really killing it. I mean, you can talk yourself into Kalani Sataki. Like I think he's done a good job building BYU. But after that, you have a bunch of guys that have been successful, but not for very long, right? Like Norvell at, at uh, Nevada, um, DeBoer at Fresno. And, you know, you go out and you make a run at Matt Campbell. I mean, it's just, I guess it's kind of interesting because you do feel like Washington's like, I mean, pulled back. I mean, I think Matt, I mean, I... <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure Matt Campbell would have worked out at Washington. I think there's still some substantial risk there, even though he's a big name, bigger name than what they got. Right. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> right. If they got Matt Campbell, I would have been like, cool. I think it's a good fit. Let's see what, right. what he's able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I don't think Matt Campbell is the, you know, I don't think Matt Campbell's a $10 million a year guy for what he's done at Iowa state. I mean, I think he's done an amazing job, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure he's there, but I just, listen, I, I mean, I think there's reasons to be excited about DeBoer. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think the offense is fine. They're a pretty good group of five offense. He did a really good job with Indiana's offense when he was the OC there. Um, the defense Ingles is the defensive coordinator. Um, is good too. I mean, a, a really good group of five defense at number 42 overall in beta rank. Um, I just, it, it, again, it just feels who, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a bet. I mean, this is a pretty big bet Washington made, right? Like they could have gone out um, and tried to spend the money because I feel like honestly, and, and I don't think I'm wrong on this. I feel like all of a sudden coaching salaries have taken a pretty big jump. I think people are expecting the TV revenues to, you know, on the new deals to come in pretty high um, and to have the money to spend. And so that's why you saw guys on existing deals like Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly jump when they got offered, 
like an absurd deal, right? And I think Washington could have gone out and done something like that, right? Um, you know, I just, it's just, I mean, like, if you're Washington, like, why not make a run at Lane Kiffin? Yeah. Well, like, he, sure, I, he's super obnoxious. I well, no, <laughs> no, it's not 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 that I don't think they should do it, but I just don't think I think Kiffin understands the world he lives in, which is the SEC, and it'd be really hard. I guess he did. I mean, I mean, he's he did coach, coach on the he's West Coast. He's Pac-12 plenty. Yeah. You know, he's from the West Coast. Um, or, or Dave Aranda. Like, I thought that would have been a better that's fit. That's a good one. Like, Aranda also has kind of a short track record, but it's a power five track record. Yeah. You know? Um, that's what, like, I mean, it is, look, I mean, I think DeBoer is, is fine. It's a reason to get excited for. I think, it, you know, if we were talking about another job, we'd be saying, like, oh, yeah, like, good get for them, you know? I just the expectations of Washington are going to be, are, are high, right? Like they're going to need, like they'll certainly give him some, some breathing room next season, you know, after the disaster that things were with Lake, I expect things will be better in a lot of ways. Um, but I mean, I don't like, I mean, even as I am saying, like, I don't think Oregon's quite there yet to the point where like, you should like fear the ducks. Like the ducks are also on their way. I mean, you got to feel like, right. Like the hard part, the harder part is often getting the roster together, you know, like that takes a long time to do. Um, and then if you can get the coaches like Washington, I mean, they got, some, they got some things to figure out on the defensive line. <laughs> they got some, they got some things to like a lot of bad coaching to undo on the offensive line. Um, and you, you certainly feel like they have some recruiting to do, particularly at the wide receiver position. I mean, I think DeBoer can cover some of that up, but like I, you know, with USC making a move and and Cristobal likely staying at Oregon, I mean, Cristobal is not going to back off. He's going to keep recruiting as hard as he can, and I do think he generally makes good hires. Like I, I do feel like he's not there yet, but I think he'll get there. I mean, that's like Washington, who they consider their peer group and who they want to compete against. Like it's, I think it's Utah, it's, right? Like that. That's really more the. I mean, if if they're if they can get their act together, it's Utah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like DeBoer isn't a hire where you're like, yep, they're going to make it like, it's not, it doesn't give you that kind of confidence. Right. And like, I'm not saying like, it's a good, it is, it's a good hire given the list that they were probably working off of. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, a, it's really unfortunate that they ended up in this position. Cause like, I mean, a, you know, according to Godfrey at, you know, the split zone duo, which he's really well connected in, I mean, People didn't think the lake, you know, people around the Pac-12 didn't think the lake hire was going to work out from the get-go, you know, um, and to really shoot yourself in the foot like this. And now you're in a position where you're hiring a, you know, you're taking a little bit of a risk on a guy that's not quite there, you know, um, for for the level you'd like to hire at. Yeah. Well, let's go from Washington to Jake Dickert. It's so weird because we're looking at... <laughs> We're looking at Washington's hire going like, yeah, okay. But if, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, what are the expectations for Wazoo? Like, yeah, but like, I mean, like, after the disaster that, like, everything that befell them. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, if DeBoer were to go to Wazoo, it'd be like, yeah, that's good. This is good hire. Let's do. roll. You know, like, this should be fun. Yeah. And, and to that extent, like, Dickert, 
no head coaching experience at the Power Five or the Group of Five outside what he was able to do, which was very impressive. Like, right? They want. I was over at, at my buddy Ryan's house for the Apple Cup, and like first time in eight years, and they won handily. And congrats. The, yeah, and the offense is going well, um, and the defense is certainly his his mantra. I mean, I thought I thought they should give him a chance, and I'm usually not a hire the interim type of guy. But given the fact that their defense already had showed improvement while he was there, and given the fact that they have this offensive system, I don't know if they'll keep the run and shoot and like bring on somebody that knows how to run that. But I just thought that he was like he had that team pretty like that team could have really fallen apart. And it didn't. And it seems like he was somebody that really was able to just just coach like one of the things that makes it. Um, like kind of, I, and then maybe I'm just jaded because I remember the the days at Arizona where Marcel Yates was like basically goading the players to publicly come out and support him to be the head coach. Um, yeah. Darren Chiverini did that too at Colorado where it's like, it was just like off putting and, and like obnoxious and Dickert for all I can see, right? Like he was thrown in a weird position where, you know, his boss <laughs> was like, uh, defying the state that hired him. And you just yep. didn't hear Dickert say anything that like, he handled that the way that if I were, if, if I were, um, an AD, I would want my head coach to, to handle things. Plus you had the stuff on the field that looked good too. So I, I just thought overall, I th- I'm excited. I'm, 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 you know, we'll, we'll see if it works out, but if you're Washington state, and all of these other programs are like just trying to grab and throw money at everybody. I thought, shoot, that like that fell in their laps. And when that happens, man, you just take it and smile and go home. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Well, I mean, it's, I think there's two things that I like about this. One, I think the job that Dicker did with that defense is really good. And so getting to keep Dicker no matter what is a win. Two, after Rolovich and his band of knuckleheads got fired they started running the run and shoot a bit different and they ran the ball more and it worked <laughs> you know like i i think they're a you know I, my guess is he probably keeps the run and shoot he's he's got some guys that it kind of works with he's got delora there um but i like it i mean i i like the hire i think it works he's certainly you know worth keeping on there it's a it's a really hard, i mean we talk about it it in oregon state is being really hard jobs and in, in the power 5 you know i i th- i think it absolutely works for them i'm i i think this is a good hire and you know yeah it's a <clears throat> it's a small sample size but you got to see it at the power 5 level and, and he definitely won some games yeah and, and really too congrats on the, i mean the long-suffering Coug fans getting over the hump and winning the Apple Cup, right? Like, and they won eight games. They won eight freaking games. Yeah, this year. I mean, it's, it's like I like it. Well, I say like it, it highlights the development too. It's the development and scheme, and that's what you need when you're yep. at a program like that. I mean, you're just not going to go in, particularly now, and just pick off four and five star players, you know. And like, I think I think Coug expectations are reasonable. You know, like I think what right. Le- Leach was perfect for that program, right? Like I'm going to get you to a bowl. I'll probably lose all of them, but it'll be a fun season and we'll probably lose in some crazy fashion. And that's okay because we won eight games this year. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> right. That's great. Good. Excellent. And maybe one year they cycle up and they, and they win double digit games and um, we'll see if they have the opportunity to do that. You know, when we're looking around, 
there's a couple more job openings available. You have the uh, offensive coordinator spot at Washington State. You have defensive coordinator over at um, at Arizona when Don Brown took the UMass. By the way, do you know Jim Mora took the UConn job? <laughs> like, what? I did. I can't believe we missed that. Like that's and Rich Rodriguez just took the Jacksonville State job. Um, I didn't. I well, I didn't. We didn't cover it, but I, I mean, yeah, Jim Mora. Jim Mora is Jim Mora will be in stores, Connecticut. <laughs> it is like it's amazing to see the coaches that hit the top and then just where they go once that top like right so you have um you know uh, uh jim moorhead's over uh, joe moorhead's at akron <laughs> morris at right. uconn just kind of it's just a bizarre world that we live in but we also have the offensive coordinator position at colorado um anything you want to speak to those i mean we'll cover them we're, we're going to do off-season shows too so when those hires are made we'll definitely uh, be covering them and I mean, the offensive coordinator position at, I mean, even though Lincoln Riley basically is the offensive coordinator, but you know, USC, uh, hopefully does do, does the opposite of Washington where they like make a big hire anyway, you know, just cause let's go, right. We want to win a national title. I just hated how Lake didn't hire a defensive coordinator outside of like Bob Gregory. Um, so I hope they don't, I hope USC doesn't do I mean, that. it is, here's what, here's what Lincoln Riley had done at Oklahoma is he had hired, he'd given as a way to keep him on staff, Kale Gundy, the OC job. Okay. Um, and he's a real good recruiter. And so that's what you might see. I mean, that's what you should expect Riley to do because he's going to keep play calling duties is he can give somebody the increased title bump um, and, and maybe bring in somebody that's a great recruiter in that spot. I mean, like, I'm interested to see who he keeps. I mean, does Dante Williams stay on that staff? I mean, one of the best recruiters on the West Coast. I mean, my guess would be yes. Um, does Sean Snyder, who's done a really good job with USC special teams, stay? I mean, how he puts together the rest of it. But, like, I was like you. I was pretty pumped. Like, Simmons, the wide receiver coach, is really good coming from Oklahoma. Bedenbaugh, the offensive line coach, is a real big upgrade for them. Um, and people should not. I mean, I know <laughs> – people say incredibly dumb things about scheme all the time. Lincoln Riley run like a lot of what you see the Sooners do um, passing is air raid, but like they, they run something that the offense in a lot of ways looks like a little bit like the old one back offense that like Joe Tiller or Dennis Erickson ran um, and where you have a spread passing offense, but it's combined with power run. So you'll see a lot of power, like a lot of counter, a lot of pull, <laughs> pulling guards, even centers, um, with some interesting run design. They, they run the ball real well. The Sooners did. So I'm, I'm interested. It's like, I'm excited to see USC in this offense. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, Rob, we have oh, anything else on coaches before we get into the review of week 13. I swear to God, if Lance Anderson isn't fired by the end of this week, <laughs> well, as an RO too. <laughs> <laughs> Lance Anderson, Azanaro, uh, wasn't there like one more? Oh, I'm out on Bill Musgrave at Cal. Like I'm just, I'm done. I've seen enough. It's yeah. not working. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention uh, the Beavs are looking for a defensive coordinator too. So we'll keep a lookout for that. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on those. <laughs> Let's clean house. Let's go. We got a TV. Oh, contract. Arizona's got to hire Don Brown's the head coach at UMass. He's going to get to go co- coach against Jim Mora. The I'm assuming they still schedule each other. Yeah. All right. Let's see what they can do over there. Um, some West Coast ties. Uh, all right. Let, let's get to our review of week 13 and let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. We have two games to cover this week. We have the championship game between uh, Oregon and Utah. We just did an Oregon and Utah preview like two weeks ago. So I figured, <laughs> and, and by the way, the stupidest game ever, USC. You know, God bless USC for like not, because they could have just taken the W against Cal, um, right? Because like Cal got COVID and normally they should have canceled the game. But USC said, no, let's play. And Cal said, let's play. And now both teams are like four and seven in this game. Total, Do not bet on this game outside of betting against USC. The only thing <laughs> worth watching is if they have like a Lincoln Riley cam, like, and he's at the game and you can watch his, his reactions to watching USA play, USC play football. It would be so funny if he was right behind Dante Williams taking notes, you know, like he's got his notepad. Oh, that was a bad clock management decision. Oh, oh <laughs> it's just going up and down the... I will I will say and I should say this because I totally forgot about this with Cal. Look, compared to like the name that was getting a lot of momentum about amongst like Pac-12 writers and some other people for the Washington job, like I will take DeBoer over Wilcox every day. Yeah, every single day. Like give me give me the risk, whatever. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch Wilcox at Washington. No, no. Yeah, I mean, again, if Wilcox went to Arizona. Maybe be like, ah, uh, I mean, I would have to talk myself into you it. DeBoer, but... No, no Wilcox, like kind of the oh. same thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I would talk myself into it. If, if he went to Colorado, you know, you can go, well, you know, he did well. He, he can run a defense and gives him a new start yeah. and all that stuff. Like I do think, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it is what he, it is. Here's the thing. He's made two. Un, and I thought the first one was a good hire. I didn't know enough about Bill Musgrave, but like he's made two unwatchable def- offensive coordinator hires. I mean, just catastrophic OC hires in a row. <laughs> yeah. Which is why they lost to UCLA 14 to 42. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's start there, Rob. Um, I will be uh, frank. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, let's get all let's get all the muck off too. Like you know, let's wash this car, get all the dirt off of it before it looks nice again. There have been multiple second half collapses in the conference. This is another one. Cal's outscored fifteen to ten, uh, or sorry, twenty five to zero in the second half. UCLA yep. was just able to kind of take care of business at the end. Garber is just a terrible day. Um, about fifty percent completion rate, two interceptions, no touchdowns. You talk about. Um, bad offenses in Musgrave, right? Cal got about a hundred yards against UCLA's rush defense. Um, embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, he's got to make a move, right? I mean, there's no. I mean, I'm sorry. Like Jerry Azanaro is a terrible defensive coordinator. UCLA has an awful defense, and I mean, they got nothing. Like they got nothing against this UCLA defense. I mean, Cal's offense right now grades out at 84. UCLA's at 55. That's a bad power five defense. And nearly everyone has been able to move the ball against them. And they're sitting at, I mean, this, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't think Garbers is a good quarterback. Um, 
but I don't think it's just a Garbers problem. I mean, this is a real, I mean, Garbers was against this UCLA defense. He was 16 of 31 yeah. for a 125 and two picks. It was awful. I mean, and, and, oh. uh, and on the other side, man, DTR just torched this defense. Three touchdowns through the air, 100 yards on the ground. Uh, Charbonnet did Charbonnet stuff. And yeah. I mean, when you put up like 400 yards total on a defense that is supposed to be good, like, I don't well, know. They what... did a number. They did such a number on this. So I, I think this is more of a figment of like maybe Cal um, getting to play some bad teams and really putting the screws to them, some bad offenses, but their, their effective rush number dropped down to 33 in beta rank. I mean, um, we... just after this game, I mean, they, they dropped a full 15 spots. I have to look at Cal's recruiting class, but it doesn't look great. I know it's more difficult to recruit at Cal than other schools. It's not like, you know, getting into Stanford, but I'm sure academically from an athletic standpoint, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, it is just a little, a little tedious. I think it's, it's rickety. Um, I, I, I mean, Wilcox has to be on the hot seat next year, right? I mean, I would look, I mean, what, like Cal's got to have some patience, right? I mean, they don't have the biggest commitment to football. The Wilcox doesn't have the biggest staff budget. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough to recruit to, but at the same time, you know, like, I mean, here's the, like, if he, if he doesn't make a move on Musgrave, he's probably on the hot seat next year. If Musgrave is back, because I think they will be really bad. To, I think they will be horrible to watch. <laughs> and, and that'll be tough. Right. Like I just, I, I think that'll pile up and then the pressure will really come on him. If he makes an offensive coordinator move, I mean, things could change. I think the defense is all right. Um, special teams aren't good, but you know, the defense is all right. You, you fix the offense, at least get them into a, a respectable level, maybe get them in the forties. Like that's a big change. You know, on the other front, UCLA finishes the year eight and four. Pretty good year, like right. They they beat the over under. Yeah, that pretty was, good year. I, I sh- forgot to hedge this, by the way, which totally was my fault, because um, I had the season win total at seven, and like a decent season. It's just, it's a tough one. They really sagged in the middle, right? And what's their commitment to football? I mean that that's really the question, right? Um, they got Kelly f- fairly affordable. I think it's like three and a half million a year. Um, yep. so they're not paying out the nose for him. I'm sure his buyout isn't that crazy, but you know, USC just made this bonkers move and I know UCLA is eight and four, but it just felt like a rickety eight and four. The yep. defense is bad. Their recruiting is f- like fine, but it isn't what it should be. I mean, Mora had the recruiting humming. Now they didn't get the play on the field after a while, but, um, you can recruit to UCLA. That's an excellent institution and university right i think it's more i i think kelly stays but i don't know like is this the peak probably for ucla i mean here's i mean so here's the thing that could keep ucla sort of going if you will i mean i think they're really going to struggle against usc going forward but you know like asu is probably about to end up in a bit of hot water Herm's basically given up on high school recruiting this year. So the the team in the South that you are most likely to be going head to head 
on some four stars in Southern California with has basically opted out <laughs> of yeah. high school recruiting. So that's, I mean, in theory, like, is like, they're not going to be going head to head with either Oregon or USC for a lot of five-star recruits. Right. Um, you know, and I, I, I think that I, I just, but I'm, I'm with you. Like, I just, I mean, they got a budget friendly coach who's, frankly, not all that interested in a lot of the things that you have to do to win at a big level in college football. Um, and I just, I don't know. I mean, like, look, let's be honest though. I mean, the offense mostly works. Yeah. If as an is fired and they bring in a new DC, UCLA could get better, but I, I do think that the, I do think that they're, it's going to feel like treading water in a lot of ways. Right. And they're mostly going to like pile up wins because though I think I do, I, I still do think Jed Fish eventually gets Arizona up to 500. I don't know how much further he gets him beyond that, but like, I think Arizona will get there in a year or two, probably two. Um, I don't know where Colorado is going and Arizona state's in a lot of hot water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like if there's three wins right there, <laughs> <laughs> plus they play Hawaii every year. Right. So there's, there's yeah. always like some, yeah. Yeah. There's always some, and, and really too, I mean, there's still, and they've got Cal and Stanford on the schedule every year, you know? I mean, that's like, geez, like I might've talked myself into like five wins for Chip Kelly. <laughs> I, you just look at their wins though. Right. So it's Hawaii. LSU, oh, Stanford, yeah. Arizona, Washington, Colorado, USC, Cal. Like that, that, by the way, that was the schedule Washington was supposed to have, right? Like in the beginning yeah. of the year, ah, oh, they're those priests, they're all these teams. Um, but man, now, now, to, their, just... to their credit though, a lot of these games were, the tough games were on the road. So they did go on the road and win. And they had the, yeah. like, remember we were going through all their trap games and they just had a bunch of weird spots where there wasn't a buy or they came off a big win. And so yeah. as easy as this looks there, there, it was more difficult, but I just, I, uh, they kind of are what they I are. I mean, they got boat raced by LS ASU earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the loss to Fresno isn't great. You know, Utah really smacked them in the mouth. Um, and that's where it felt like, like, geez, you know, like what are these guys even going to be, you know? And they, they, I mean, it helped. I mean, the schedule really lightened up at the end. You get Colorado, USC and Cal. Um, and so they certainly looked better, uh, to finish out the season. I just, I mean, I guess I kind of wonder like, what's the pressure on Kelly going to be right? Like, cause I, I'm not sure that uh, like those, those five teams I listed off, like ASU certainly has the most talent. In theory, they have the most competent coaching staff. I mean, I just, I wonder what their roster is going to look like with what may happen. Um, UCLA will we'll be sitting pretty with a schedule that's, you know, at least manageable. You only are going to have to get to two wins to get to bowl eligibility. I just feel like eventually that's going to grind on Bruin, the Bruin fan base, though. I don't think, you know, a bunch of years after this, watching USC start to put it together under Riley in all probability. Um, I think the comparison's going to be like, that's what's, that's what's going to be trouble for Kelly is like the comparison is literally across town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing in his favor is that, you know, who's going to want to take that job. 
Well, you get, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's still a really, like, that's what UCLA, we talked about this before, right? Like their commitment to football really stinks, you know, and they don't, as an athletic department, they don't do enough fundraising and they don't produce enough revenue for given where they are. Like people talk about sleeping giants, like UCLA is an actual sleeping giant. Like they do not maximize their opportunities at all. And they could, and you could argue Mora really tried. I mean, he showed up and really tried, particularly in recruiting. I could see, I mean, I think it's a good job. I'd be, but like UCLA would really have to commit to football in order to go out and like meet the, like get the money to get somebody right. Like they got Kelly on a discount because like the NFL is still paying him a bunch of money and he didn't want the scrutiny of taking the Florida job. Yeah. Yeah. Now I hear you. Um, all right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that and see if he makes any moves. The thing that I'm worried about is like, he's basically, you fire as an R, you fire me. And you're like, okay. <laughs> like, it just seems right. like that might be the case, which is bizarre. But uh, all right. I just, I don't think they can fire Kelly after an eight and four year, but you're right. Like he could, force them to keep as an arrow on another season or two, because I don't think UCLA wants to have to go out and try to figure anything out in this coaching cycle. Yeah. That'd be crazy if he was able to stay on. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's do the territorial cup, which we were on the right side of this 38 to 15. <laughs> Things did not go our way. Oh yeah, my God. No, no. So there, and Arizona was not winning this game, but the spread was 20. We had a scoop and score fumble. We had a backbreaking pick six and and there that was it that and a safety was, it, oh and a safety holy moses um you know with all that said um part part of that was because asu well i mean the biggest part is arizona's offensive line is just hot garbage and i understand that they are still trying to stock up but i i'm uh one like seattle's the seahawks offensive line was good when Brandon Carroll was the offensive line coach there and right. lo and behold, the offensive line is a disaster here. Let's see, let's see if it's him or if it's the players, but I mean, all they say, like the, the scoop and score fumble was because the edge rusher just blew off that side. And I'm watching the game with my dad and I, I literally am saying out loud, throw the ball away, throw the ball away, throw the ball, throw the ball, <laughs> like yelling, the screaming, throw the ball away. And by that time he had been tackled with the fumble and the scoop and score. Um, Daniels, 10 of four, they didn't uh, 10 of 14. They didn't ask much of him 86 yards and two touchdowns, no picks. Um, they were able to get it done. ASU on the ground, almost 200 yards rushing. And just, um, they beat Arizona, although Arizona was able to move the ball. They are actually outgained ASU 396 yards to 314. Plummer was able to get it done on the ground minus that bone crushing pick. Um, but just no <laughs> Plummer yeah. had the game of his, the game of his little life. <laughs> He was he's trying so hard, Rob. He's trying so hard. He, was. <laughs> he he does remind you of like your little brother, you know, or like a little brother that's out there. It's like you go get him, you know, like doing your very best. Uh, a total total disaster on the ground. Um, I mean, like I think I think you know without the sack, Arizona rushed for like sixty yards. Yeah. I, all that said, like I know ASU was outgained. But I thought their offense, they, they did exactly what they needed to do. And credit to them in a tough, you know, this could have been a rivalry game where the team gave up. I think what they won their last two games, even though the coaching staff is a total disaster and like an eight win, 
like bet against ASU in any bowl game that they're in, by the way, like that, that is just free money, but an eight and four season, all things considered, you got to be happy if you're an ASU fan, right? I mean, outside the yeah, other stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think given the other stuff, like an eight and four season is good. I think they had really high expectations coming into this. I mean, a lot of people had the sun devils pick to win the South. Right. Um, and they weren't close, right? Like, I mean, Utah, you know, like, uh, well, Utah blew them out (laughs) and they get, and then they got, you know, Oregon state really took it to them. You know, they had a terrible Washington state loss. Um, you know, I mean, they got some good wins in between, right? USC and Washington, two bad teams. (laughs) And then you win the territorial cup. I mean, you got to feel pretty, I mean, you should feel good. I mean, like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think, this game, I think, was probably closer to like a, a, you know, within a touchdown, if not for the turnover craziness from the Wildcats. But you know, this is a, it was it was a good game. They showed up and ran the ball on Arizona. Arizona's really struggled to stop the run this season. Yeah, it is just. Um... But man, I mean, like this is another one. Like they didn't ask Jaden Daniels to throw the ball much, but I feel like down the back half. And it wasn't just me that was thinking, I mean, like Bud Elliott, you know, from the cover three had tweeted out like, you know, what, where is Jane Daniels playing next year? Yeah. <laughs> and the answers that he got back, he said, were everything from like in the NFL to like an FCS school. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, but I mean, there's, there's, still, I mean, I think that there's still some folks that are, that really, you know, believe you know, Daniels is is still an NFL quality quarterback. He's really tumbled down draft boards. I mean, he's, he's looked more like what we talked about this year um, than what we saw in the really short and what he was like in his freshman year than what we saw in the short year last year. Um, And that's where like, I'm really interested. There are three, is it three? There are three, former four or five star quarterbacks from Arizona who have entered the transfer portal. <laughs> so if you are Arizona and ASU, you darn well better get one. Yeah. Q Chappelle doing the Rick James, like give it to me. Baby. <laughs> like, you know? like if you don't, if Spencer Rattler or Miller, who I think is the one from Ohio state who's transferring or Chubba Purdy, who went to Florida or Chuba or Chubba Purdy, who went to Florida state and transferred out isn't starting or isn't playing for one of these teams next season. Like we, they've, they've really messed up. Yeah. Hot damn. Um, a team that kind of has quarterback Stanford, um, Jeez. boat race by, by the way, this was a game. Baterink called is a 10 plus spread. Oh, called um, Baterink had it at 31. Oh, ha. Oh, 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 look at you, Rob. Damn. <laughs> I mean. Nailed it. <laughs> Uh, 31 point win for Notre Dame, by the way, 45, 14. We don't need to, to spend too much time on this. There's Tanner, Tanner McKee, 172 at a touchdown. Um, hey, same old story. You could run on them. Um, uh, but the passing, right. Jack Cohn, 320, 345, two touchdowns. He had a pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, Stanford, or Stanford, you know, they, they are who they are. Let's see if they make some moves on the coaching front, because, uh, th- this is the, the, sh- the wheels have fallen off. This is, um, this was an awful, awful season that had some promise on the offense. I always thought the defense was going to be a disaster, but just um, w- what a mess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really, if it, you know, I mean, Stanford, this game should have gone beyond my 31 um, that I had it at <clears throat> Notre Dame. 
started out the second half with an interception and gave Stanford the ball at their own 13, uh, which Stanford then turned into a touchdown. <laughs> so like this was, this was not, uh, this is a really, really bad game for the Cardinal. Um, I just, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's, we've talked about for a long time, um, you know, the real disaster that Stanford was like the, the trend was, and it, it hit hard this year, really. I mean, they, they've fallen all the way off the table three and nine, you know, and, and, you know, uh, just, uh, I mean, there's not much, I mean, I, I mean, I, we talked about, it. I think Pritchard, he's got some good years in the recent past as the offensive coordinator, but I mean, I could totally, I, I can actually see David Shaw deciding to make just wholesale staff changes. Yeah. Hopefully that's the case. You know, they, they really do need a facelift and let's see if they get that. Um, just a, a really awful season for them. We'll do a post-mortem on them, post-mortem on them coming up here soon. We have three more games plus, plus uh, one to preview and Rob, let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. Let's do the platypus trophy um, extravaganza fight for the state of Oregon or whatever we call it now. Oregon 38, Oregon State 29. Oregon State made a little bit of a a jump at it at the end in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, I mean, Oregon State just had this game in the pocket, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Oregon, Oregon showed up and did what they had to do. Brown was, was pretty good in this game against a bad Beaver defense. Um, they were able, I mean, he got a lot of yards on the ground getting 83 on the ground. They were able to limit what Oregon state was able to do running the football, um, which led to chance Nolan's best. I mean, you could argue his best day throwing the ball around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I mean, particularly given some of the limitations of his wide receivers and some of his own limitations, Chance Nolan had a day against this Oregon team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 312 yards against the secondary. Not a great sign, not a great sign. I do think with Oregon State, and I wonder if this carries into next year, but good teams can kind of cut off that running game. I, I mean, yeah. I, and people talk about it, and it is a good running game, and they're, they're able to rush for a number of yards against bad teams. But I do think, you know, and Oregon Oregon showed that, right? B.J. Baylor, 13 for 59. Um, you know, Trey Lowe was the second person to get the ball. He had 20 yards and that was it. That, that was basically on the you, other, mm-hmm. you don't have to respect. I mean, with Oregon state, like you don't, uh, it's different than Utah. Like you don't have to respect the pass. Yeah. And he doesn't have something like rising's wheels, you know, and, and they were more than willing to let Nolan try to beat them. And that was the right call. But I mean, man, talk about somebody that needs some transfer QBs. in. I mean, and somebody get Jonathan Smith, a QB. Yeah, I mean, he has the offensive line coach there, right? So, like, the difference yep. between them and Arizona would be, well, like, a lot of differences. This team wins, but but also, um, right. you know, it's the, the difference is the offensive line and, um, and the coaching, obviously. But a really good offensive mind on that front. 506 yards for Oregon. Um, Oregon State needs a defensive coordinator in order to take that next step. Let's see if they get it. Um, I thought a good win for the ducks, right? They could have just given up on this and, and thrown in the towel and they didn't, they covered and, um, right. and they, they took home the win. I, I went four and three on the, on the week, by the way. So I'm at like 57% against the spread, which is not bad. Um, this was one of the ones that I had picked. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
just just an impressive showing and uh, this could have been a look ahead game you know as they get ready for utah and they didn't do it so they they were able to you know not get surprised anything else on this yeah. one no no I, mean, I thought it was i thought it was a really good performance from the ducks here yeah let's go to let's do the apple cup because this was an ass cooking uh 40 to 13 was the final score uh we had a sam it's a Heward, Sam Heward sighting. Um, maybe, maybe kind of showed why uh, we saw a lot more of Dylan Morris this year. One touchdown, four picks. Oh, damn, that was a, it was a pretty bad showing. 190 yards. Uh, on the other side, Jaden Delora, 245 through the air, no picks. It was really the Max Borgie show, though. Two touchdowns, 129 yards. Deion McIntosh got in on the action. And, you know, the Kooks showed what, what you could do, which is run on this team. But I, I the one thing... I, I like Jaden Delora. I think, you know, next year we talked a little bit about the quarterbacks and, and what they could be next year. I mean, this secondary for Washington is still good. And I would have bet a million dollars that we would have had at least one interception on either side of the ball. And Delora really took care of the ball. He made smart decisions. Um, I'm sure there was an instance where he might have thrown a pick that got dropped or something, but it, I don't recall it. I just thought overall this is a good game, and he's really been able to turn it on at the the last part of the year. Yeah, yeah, I I, I like what Delora's been able to do. I think the offense works better since Rolovich departed. Um, I think there's more run in the run and shoot, <laughs> and I think that works given the personnel. Um, yeah, I I thought he did a really good job. I mean, I don't think they were really all that intimidated by the Washington secondary. They were able to find openings and throw the football pretty well. On the um, other, oh yeah, go ahead. And then I thought the defense that I mean, look, and this is, I mean, <clears throat> this is probably not a great decision to play Sam Heward in this game because I, I do think that what Dickert runs can be confusing. And, and thus far the, the, the Cougs have been a lot better against the pass than they've been against the run. Um, and Heward struggled. He struggled identifying coverages in this game. Holy Moses. Kamari Pleasant, eight for 34. Sean McGrew, yeah. three for three. I mean, uh, to strip it down to the studs, let's see what we can do. I mean, actually, you know, I take that back. I think with a good coordinator, right? Like, I mean, just Oh, watch- DeVore is going to be an improvement. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think there's enough here where somebody can come in and you'll see immediate, like an immediate change in improvement, but also in wins in year one. Um, it's as long as they get that defensive coordinator higher lockdown but yeah um holy goodness uh, this was this was a loss for sure um colorado 28 oh no i'm sorry i'm sorry utah fans utah 28 colorado 13 utah just covering by one point there 24 oh. point spread Woo, love it gotta love it um, no they did not cover utah in no way covered oh a, tw- a 24 point spread <laughs> I they can't do missed. math <laughs> i apologize uh, maybe I went four and three on the season of the week that I got to go back and look at the, uh, I thought they had covered, but you're right. They did not cover this game. Kind of a bit of a sleepwalking game. I watched the mo- the majority of this, um, a little bit of a fight. Well, a, a decent fight in the beginning, Colorado got their three points. Um, and then Utah kind of stepped on the gas and then just let it off at the end. Um, I don't know, nine and three good season for the youths, all things considered, right? Um, they're playing well in the back half, 400 yards plus of offense, and they're going to see the the Ducks here. 
They're a, I mean, look, they're a really good. I mean, this is, this is a really good Utah team powered by this offense. The defense has been kind of rounding into form a little bit as the season has gone on. Um, this, I mean, <clears throat> this was a, I mean, Utah is a really explosive offense and they just, they struggled to finish drives in this game. They, they, you know, more than doubled up Colorado on the yards, um, that they were putting up. They were, you know, they, they, they got plenty of yards. They just didn't finish it and turn it into points in this game. Um, just a pretty ugly performance on, on finishing here for the Utes. But I mean, look, they, they, you know, a bit of a look ahead game, sort of a ha- like look ahead hangover combo <laughs> from that Oregon. Um, and you were right. Like, I think I talked you out of picking Colorado at this. Um, but I mean, Utah did not show up with their fastball. I mean, I guess on the bright side is if you're you're Kyle Whittingham, you definitely feel like you got their attention again coming back into the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. Yep, that'll be fun. We'll we'll preview that here real fast. Last game, BYU 35, the Trojans 31. Um, all the offense, all the time. 465 yards for BYU, almost the same for USC. Uh, Jackson Dart, no picks, no picks, which is good, which is a bummer because Jalen all had two of them and they really hurt because the they hurt me who play. had BYU and woke up with a big WTF moment. Uh, I know they, they came into that. Uh, yeah, I went to bed too at, at the, after the first half and I'm like, all right, I think I've seen enough. I'm in good shape. And then wake up I'm like, ah, you gotta be freaking kidding me. But you know, they were able to do what every team can do, which is move the ball on the ground and through the air. And, um, you know, I thought if there's one thing, it's that Jackson Dart went out looking okay, And, uh, you know, he'll probably be competing against Caleb Williams. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm like, holy Moses. I mean, that is a because like we're you're watching California product one time USC commit Bryce Young in Heisman contention with Alabama. Right. Yeah. And to be sitting there and like, you know, Jackson's art's fine, right? He's fine. He's a four-star kid, good quarterback, you know, like I mean, I, but here's the thing. I don't know if anybody on USC's roster would beat out Caleb Williams or anyone else, any other five-star QBs that may or may not be on Lincoln Riley's radar as we close in on signing day. Like that's, I mean, I just, I don't think USC's recruited as well as they should have. Yeah. Um, I would also just like to say, I've seen some people, I saw our, our friend Max Brown was like, maybe Graham Harrell can stay on staff. Oh as no, OC. I know. Like, I'm like, come on, Max, you're like, a good guy. I'm not <laughs> even going to respond to that because that should not, will not, cannot happen. And it won't. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw that, which is weird. Cause like Max is really like his X's and O's stuff is excellent. And his, his, the videos he put together are great. But when that came out, I'm like, what? And, you know, like he's part of the program yeah. and stuff. I get it. You know, he's 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 one of the family. Now, and he was, but he has been. But he's he's certainly also now, too, while he's doing games for them. And But, yeah, I totally agree. I think he's out, and it's going to be hard for him to find a job. I mean, maybe not hard to find a job, but hard to find a, a really high-quality Power 5 job because – Oh, I, I don't think he's – he may get another Power 5 coordinator gig, but it's not going to be anywhere near this level. And I don't think Todd Orlando ever calls plays again. Oh, woof, woof. Pretty rough. Um, from right from Aranda and Cl- Kingsbury to uh, Graham and man, like think about where we would have been if Cliff Kingsbury hadn't taken the Cardinals' job. Like this USC team would have been good. 
Like that. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is one of the best play callers in football. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Clay um, Helton was so close to not being Clay Helton. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's not preview the Cal. We get kind of got to wrap up here. Let's not preview the Cal USC game. Um, but let's do the, the title game here in Las Vegas. We have Utah, which is a three point favorite over Oregon. Rob, we have previewed this game before. Um, so we did go through, you know, some of the things to keep a lookout for, but I am curious what, you know, has there been any changes to beta rank? I think this game was yeah. a three, they were a three point favorite at home. So clearly yep. Vegas thinks that things have moved in the direction of Utah. If they're a three point favorite, uh, you know, on a neutral field. So what do the numbers say? Yeah. Beta rank had it for the Utes at home at about four for the prior game. And it's seven on a neutral now. Okay. Um, Utah comes in at number six overall. Oregon's at number 18. Um, this is a really explosive Utah offense. They're up to number five in beta rank. They, as we talked about with this Colorado game, sometimes they struggle to finish drives only at number 42 in drive efficiency, but four at explosive drives, five at play efficiency. Um, they're negative drives. They don't take too many three and outs number two there. Real bit, I mean, really, really good running the football. Number four, an effective rush versus number 36, an effective pass. But this Oregon defense is sitting at 46. As again, before, like you could drive on them. They're number 13 in drive efficiency. Um, they're better at ex- containing big plays, 15 in explosive drives. Um, you know, but, and they have a, they have a decent run pass, but 39 in effective rush, 61 in effective pass. But the, the real question I think you have to have coming into this game is, do you think, do you think Oregon's defense, and let's just cover this side of the ball, I guess, first is like, do you think Oregon's defense can stop the run um, without, and we talked, like, I, because th- I think there's, I think their secondary, I don't think the Oregon secondary is great. And I think they're real vulnerable with the safeties. I mean, do you think that Oregon can stop the run without getting burned over the top by the Utah's tight ends? No, no. I mean, and I think we've run into issues, right? I, th- I think there's some injury issues with Oregon on the safety yeah. front. Um, and that's that's right. That's, that's where you get torched with the tight ends. And yep. I don't think you have to worry. Although Britton Covey did have the most yards in the Colorado game with 65 receiving yards. So good for him. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's the problem, right? Where... They, I mean, Utah has like 17 tight ends they can throw at you. And I mean, the offense is just good. And yeah, look, I know, I know that Utah, what's interesting. I almost actually, while you were talking, I tried to place a bet on um, Utah and the line is moving in favor of Oregon, which is fascinating to me. Um, I don't think this people, is people believe in the revenge. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, right. I, I doubt it's a blowout. I think that a lot of the stuff that Utah put on tape, you know, Oregon now has seen. So it's certainly going to be a closer game, but I just, I trust Utah to move the ball against Oregon. I think that's the biggest thing. And I don't trust Oregon to move the ball against Utah. (laughs) Well, here's, here's where they ran into trouble last time. Right? Like, I mean, and this Oregon offense is rounding into form. They're at number eight in beta rank. Um, But they're a really explosive offense. They're number three in explosive drives. They're, they're number six in effective rush, number 41 in effective pass. But if you can if you can slow them down enough rushing that they have to rely on Anthony Brown to complete passes at a high rate to keep drives going, they're in trouble. Yeah. And and this Utah defense is up to number 16. Morgan Scala's a really good DC. They've also been rounding into form. 
Um, they're at number 63 in drive efficiency. So you can put drives together against them, but what they do really well is they contain big, they contain explosive drives. They don't give up a lot of big plays. They're at number seven in explosive drives. So if they're able to, in this game and, and they're better against the run than they are against the past 16 and effective rush. I think if they're able in this game to limit, you know, the, the ducks and, and make them drive the length of the field, I just think Brown's a limitation again, you know, and I think we saw that. Right. And if, if, if you, if Oregon, where they got the trouble was they were kind of, they kept giving, they gave Utah some short fields. That's going to put them in, but that's going to, that'll put you in the hole. Cause the other part is, is like, this isn't a vintage Utah special teams unit at 27 overall, but man, Oregon special teams are at 62. I mean, Utah's got a pretty good advantage there. Yeah. I just, I mean, I've seen these two teams play all year and if Oregon wins, it will be because of the coaching, you know, like they will have skewed yeah. something They'll They will have seen stuff and broken down film and figured out how to particularly attack Utah. Um, but even then, I, I mean, it's not like Utah doesn't have bad coaching either. I, I just, I mean, I think three fine, whatever, like I'll, I'll lay the points. I'll take Utah. Um, and if Oregon wins hot, hot day, <laughs> it'd be a real big win for them. Uh, given, you know, given the disappointment of losing to Stanford and the blowout. So it'd be, it'd be a good story and it'd be a fun, it'd be a better Rose bowl than, um, Utah, Iowa. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> Oh no! It'll probably be Ohio State. They don't have to take the runner up. Oh, hooray! Um, but I, but I think, I mean, I, I think Oregon's probably got to finish plus one or plus two on turnovers. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep a lookout for that. I think it's interesting. Um, you, before we sign off, Rob, is there anything you want to say about Cal USC? Oh man, watch at your own peril. I mean, like Cal should be, I mean, USC's defense is so bad. Cal should be able to put up some points. Um, but I do think USC probably shows up and plays a little harder if Riley's there. Cause I think guys are going to want to get something on tape. That's positive in front of the new coach. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's interesting because Cal, I believe is favored. It should be. I mean, USC's been bad. Yeah, I kind of wanted to bet on USC um, or bet against USC, but I think you're right. I think I think this team actually might play hard just to show their coach something. Man, Baderink's got it, and it's at Cal at four point eight four. I I know I said don't bet on this game, but I might bet on USC. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're. I mean, like taking your life in your own hands, like. Betting on a Todd Orlando defense for the last time. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, speaking of, we're going to do our, our bowl pool. I'll make the announcement later. So I didn't forget about that. Um, you know, speaking of, of betting on games that are totally worthless and, and uh, but I mean, not worthless. They're worth something, but um, you know, they are what they are. The Tony, the tiger bowl. I want you sweating that out as you drive your in-laws back to the airport from uh, Christmas break. So um, all right, everybody, I, I got to go. We have lots of news that I'm sure we'll have to catch up on next week. Send any questions our way and um, sharpcollegefootball.com. Rob did the Saturday six. What did you, oh, you did all the, the, the championships, I did all right? the power five championship games. Plus I did app state, Louisiana. Nice. Yeah. Check that out on uh, youtube.com and you can check all of Rob's numbers on sharpcollegefootball.com. Uh, all right, Rob, we'll catch you next week.